Oh my goodness gracious. It's time for another episode of The Score. Hooray. This is Minnesota Woohoo. That's right. Uh, This is Minnesota Opera's podcast that is dedicated to talking about the issues happening in classical music, opera, pop culture, as seen from the perspective of three Black queer opera administrators. As always, I am your, one of your hosts, uh, Rocky Jones, and I am here with my fabulous co-host, the wonderful Paige Reynolds, Yawo Inawale. How are you today? Howdy. Hi. I am great. Oh, good. It's swell. Are, are you really? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. I'm doing right. swell. Surprisingly, it's we're not even going to talk about how cold it is. I was Girl. dismayed when I woke up this morning. And but there was snow on I'm the trees swell. and snow on the ground. And I... October 14th. I, I just want people to know that we're not in November or December. Listen, and I of had course, to put some Beyonce on and turn it around. <laughs> 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 and of course, the way you the the person you just heard, you just heard the sultry, dulcet tones of Dr. Lee Bynum. Hello, Lee. Hola, mi gente. Okay, please go ahead and read this letter for Phil. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna pass <laughs> I'm just gonna pass the mic to you and pass you the read. <laughs> like you used to <laughs> I thought I'd go international this week. Yes, no. International did it work, did not <laughs> oh with your with your tag your phrase your catchphrase yeah. oh yeah no it was good oh good 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 like it was it. good but yeah. i thought you were gonna have more to say about this weather this morning no i'm not oh. talking about the weather <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's right we're not gonna dwell on negativity <laughs> uh, yeah you know what we're not gonna give it the energy <laughs> yeah, no, no um no Mm-mm. i'm pretending like it didn't happen all right all right well yeah. sounds good sounds good well how was everyone's week long i felt like there were like 14 or 15 days in the week this yeah. time um tgif <laughs> you know i was walking to the bus on wednesday and i was like how has it only been two days in this week so far like it feels like it's been like two weeks and just the fact that like not to harp on the weather but that it was 80 degrees on tuesday yes now it's snowing yes doesn't it sound apocalyptic to other people apparently not apparently climate change is not a thing i feel like maybe we should all be a little more scared (laughs) (laughs) because i had on shorts on tuesday Mm -hmm. and today Mm -hmm. i have on a knit hat i have on a sweatshirt Mm -hmm. i have on sweatpants and i was wearing a puffy jacket <laughs> it was cold and wet enough to have on tins or something. I should have. I actually wished I had on some boots. So what are we doing here? Like what are we doing? <laughs> like why are people that scared? Why is everyone acting like this is cool? Like this is normal. <laughs> Electing well, officials that think this is normal. I'm curious because Paige, you grew up in a part of the country where the winters are 
quite intense in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about snow this early? Um, okay, snow, it's not like how early the snow is. Like you I'm used to maybe occasionally getting mm-hmm. a sprinkle. Like it mm-hmm. is it, it's not it's not a huge event and we understand that it's a day like this where like it's really cold at night or really cold in the morning and so then you know it snows there's precipitation that comes down to snow and then it melts and like you get scared and you just have the reminder that winter is coming right. um what we're not used to is this temperamental stuff this it being 80 and then it's snowing and then it going back up to 70 and then it going back down to that's what we're not mm-hmm, used mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like it it used to be like a spurt like here or there like mm-hmm. one abnormal day and like you look back at weather records and you see that you see that one random 85 mm-hmm. day in the middle of october <laughs> but it's happening so much more frequently it's that's the wild part that's not normal this, no, this is not normal not. Mm-hmm. no 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 it, it's not and you yeah. know i feel like I can remember when the seasons were behaving differently. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, if we had had an 80 degree day in October, and I mean, Virginia is certainly south of Mm -hmm. Minnesota, right? If we'd had an 80 degree day in October, people would have been really weirded out by it. And the fact that it was 80 degrees here, Minnesota, what, October 11th, and people were just kind of like, do, do, do just going about their day as if there was nothing odd about it i was like i don't i don't know y'all i'm not comfortable going outside i feel like the asteroids are on their way i'm a little apocalyptic to me mm-hmm. <laughs> well mm-hmm. at least we have the technology to nudge asteroids that's exciting <laughs> <laughs> just a little nudge excuse me <laughs> nasa said excuse me <laughs> that's funny i didn't know that was a thing (laughs) um yeah no but i mean like in dc i feel like it was it's not unheard of for it to stay kind of summery and hot up until Mm -hmm. like you know the middle of october that's gross yeah it is but like this is just but it it it, it is it's it's the roller coaster of it all. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. the roller coaster of it all. And I remember when things here here were different. I mean, I've been here for like 8 years. Mm-hmm. Wow, and I remember when scary. I first moved here, like there there was a there was a, a summer, a spring, a fall, a winter. It wasn't this <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't yeah. this like, you know, up and down and sideways and back and forth. I don't know. I it feel like one day balance. we need to have like a, a longer conversation about like what climate change means for the arts. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. yes. What we are or or not doing, how it mm-hmm. is going to impact us. Like, I don't know. that It's actually... The, now I think about it, it's kind of a big topic. That might be like yeah. a series. We might be like... <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be a three-parter. Um, yeah. Ooh, I wonder who we know, who we could bring on to talk about that. Yeah. Mm. Well, if that sounds like you and something <laughs> you'd like to talk about, <laughs> contact us at the score at mnoffer.org and let us know. 
Um, so there's so many things going on in the <sighs> world. Kanye's out here wilding out. Yeah, y'all need to have a chat with y'all cousin. I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just friend. so disappointing. It's it's a lot. Disappointing is you you say that I like to understate things. That... <laughs> <laughs> man, if you told me that the man who wrote All Falls Down was gonna come out here thank and wild you. out like this, thank you. Man. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, happening. <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of shenanigans in the midterm elections, all sorts of Yeah, talking Herschel. about Herschel Walker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Young Mr. Christian. <laughs> uh, that was that was also wild. That was insane. That Help. was crazy. Help. <laughs> <laughs> There is a sort of epic interview by Mark Lamont Hill of Christian Walker. Maybe it's about a year or so old. I can't remember when it came out, but it was at some point when we were doing the podcast because I actually thought about making it a topic. Hmm. And it was wild. Like some of the stuff that Christian was saying and, and Dr. Hill was being like very generous in terms of like, acknowledging you're a young person you know i don't want to come at you like i could despite what you're saying but the fact of putting that interview beside some of the things that his father has been saying like the story about the the bull and the three cows like it's it's very strange it's strange right like it's fully strange and you just have to wonder like what kind of political moment are we in that there's this much stuff that's not disqualifying for people, right? Well, I mean, I feel like we have asked that question in a number of contexts <laughs> recently. <laughs> and yet it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. And I feel like nobody's answering it. Yeah, or maybe no, just, just the answer is just that nothing is disqualifying. There's the I had decided to take the January 6 hearings in smaller doses because I had a night with them where I got very worked up mm -hmm. and just had to say um I am I I need a little bit of a break from US politics for a minute and then you know Damien was very insistent that we watch them this week and I I actually had nightmares like mm. like there were so many things that i heard that were just so bothersome yeah that were being normalized i mean even in the context of the hearings where they're like hey we're gonna subpoena the former president like it's it's so ridiculous like if this had been a movie from like 1996 like critics would have lampooned it for being too ridiculous to believe mm. and 1996 wasn't it wasn't like a lifetime ago, right? No, it's like, like a it's like a season of scandal has like come to life. It's crazy. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, <laughs> like for real. Yeah. Actually, I, I I actually all along when things like scandal came out, I was like, part of why we love this is because it's believable. 
Yeah. <laughs> there's a certain yeah. le- there's the, there's mm-hmm. ridiculousness, but there is also quite a bit of believable drama that we have either seen or mm-hmm. like we know we're just on the horizon of. Yeah. Um, that's why. <laughs> that's why Shonda's <laughs> able to get away with this, <laughs> this, wild, this wild show. This wild show. <laughs> Hopefully, friend but... of the pod, Shonda Rhimes. Hi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come, Join through, us, come through. Please. Come through. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been truly. The word that I was I was gonna search for a word other than dystopian, but maybe dystopian is what is what I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. to me, like mm-hmm. I see it as like as to your question, Leah, like how how we're in a moment where the, these are the choices and these are the people that we're having conversations about. I I see it as connected to education, maybe like yeah, well, yeah. that. Just this is the result of just like a lot of like messed up education systems and indoctrination uh a lot of 40 years of divestment in the public education system yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's like the divestment itself and then there's like the intentional Mm -hmm. really like messed up white supremacist capitalist patriarchal all of that programming <laughs> that, that then that then happens and you know we know that there are layers to how yeah. deeply yeah. messed up our education yeah. system is on every level yeah. but i think of like even people's fundamental like reading and like comprehension skills and listening skills like empathy skills social skills <laughs> yes how deeply connected that is to that to our education system because we spent so much time there Mm -hmm. like of course we would see that impacting the way people process what's going on politically like yeah i mean i just there was a clip um that's been going around from the um wisconsin senate um debate that happened (laughs) um mandela barnes over here Mm -hmm. running for the democrats and Senator Ron Johnson, who is, don't get me started, but (laughs) there's this clip (laughs) and it disturbed me so much because it was, you know, after all this sort of back and forth, I guess I didn't watch the whole debate, but I'm assuming all this back and forth and whatnot. um, The moderators were just like, okay, this has been a really contentious evening. Last question. Can you just say one nice thing about each other just something that you admire about your opponent just one thing just one thing (laughs) and mandela barnes gets up there and he goes uh yeah i i mean he um he's a family man he seems to really love his 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 spouse and his his kids and you know his his parents and and that's an admirable quality the way he he loves them and puts them first. Great, cool. Um, and then, okay, Senator Johnson, and he's like, um, he seems to be a really nice guy, great education, speaks so well. Um, 
And it's just surprising with all of that, with all that education, how much he hates America and then starts just going. And the audience starts booing. You can see the moderators like putting their head in their hands like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> and it was just so disturbing to watch because it, it, it's exactly the word dystopian. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like what what's that movie? The Mike Judge movie, Idiocracy. Oh yeah. It just feels like we're just living yeah. in the middle of this. And yeah. And I just, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, we got to get away from these Earthlings. Maybe and- I'll go on that that <laughs> that rocket that nudged the asteroid. <laughs> Maybe I'll volunteer to go nudge. <laughs> Something. But one thing that you know, being the classical music uh, podcast that we are, um, that we have been remiss in talking about for several weeks now i was i was actually about to make a joke about it when garrett was on the show because he mentioned something about trying the flute and i was like don't try the flute (laughs) (laughs) y'all because one of our faves miss lizzo (sighs) queen amazing singer artist musician flautist flautist yes went to the library of congress in my good old hometown of washington (laughs) dc and was you know shown a collection of you know I would not ancient flutes, but historical flutes. <laughs> <laughs> flutes of historical import. I was like, what's the word for like old but not that old? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week, y'all. I'm sorry. Um, but historical flutes, one of which was uh, a crystal flute owned by the fourth president of the United States of America, Mr. James Madison. And she she played the flute. She played the flute later on at her show. And it was a lovely little moment. It was cute. It was just like, oh, what a cute little piece of, of history. <laughs> Apparently not, according <laughs> to some corners of the internet. And I was just baffled by this. I never even thought in a million years. I just thought like, oh, this was this is a cute little, a cute little stunt that the Library of Congress is is putting on and what a nice little moment between Lizzo and and I don't I don't know what is her title, the librarian in chief. The the head the chief yeah chief librarian. Chief librarian maybe. Yeah. She's a black woman, these two black women coming together, you know, this you know to to nice little moment. <laughs> but apparently it is it has led to the end of democracy as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> is at least as bad as that whole storming the Capitol thing, right? Apparently. Apparently. Just, it was, uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the position of finding something, <laughs> anything wrong with what happened. And I just, I, I can't imagine. I, I, 
I legitimately like I I saw it. I thought I had the exact same thought process that you did, Rocky. I was like, this is this is cute. <laughs> Great. Moved on with my day. And I assumed everyone else was gonna do the same thing. And I was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was so wrong. People were upset. <laughs> it seemed about um whether or not Lizzo was qualified to play this flute, I guess. Which is such whether a strange. Which is my guy. So, so weird. The fact whether, that she played like, the, the flute at her show wearing a dance costume <laughs> <laughs> was just... apparently a problem because she was showing her body. I guess. And of course, if, if Lizzo is ever showing her body in public, then we have to have a conversation about that, right. apparently. They saw her play it at the concert and, you know, she just let out one little one little note. And they assume that she can't really play flute or that she doesn't know how for real when we have plenty of video evidence that that's <laughs> not true. All over um, the place. <laughs> also, it immediately anyone with sense would would have saw that, seen that, and said, "Yeah, that makes sense because it is a crystal flute that belonged to a U.S. <laughs> president." No, you think she's gonna just take it and break into choreography with the big girls? No, <laughs> they were like, take one, put out one breath one note and give it back <laughs> I, 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 I understood that immediately immediately but i guess other people didn't it, it the the there were like 25 different things about it that disturbed me like kind of deeply including the fact that most of the people complaining couldn't tell you anything about who james madison was right they'd go full kiki palmer <laughs> sorry to this man <laughs> right like, just, <laughs> No idea about who he was, what number president, if he was president, is he on the $2 bill? Like the, the, the whole line of, of, of complaint was ridiculous on its face. And, and then kind of like moving on from that, the number of false equivalencies between Lizzo playing the flute and any number of other things like the the way whataboutisms kind of play out in our mm -hmm. current political divide that was very strange to me that this seemed like it could be equated with anything else that is like actually happening and then the fact that candace owens never seems to have anything productive to do with her time like ever like i i legitimately don't understand what the situation is that like anytime somebody black is doing something that looks fun or interesting, that her immediate response is to sort of degrade them as about anything that she can think about. Like it's, I, I don't, I really don't get it. I mean, ma'am, first of all, go get yourself a bottle of lotion and then you can come. <laughs> Talk to anyone about anything. But yeah, Not no. lotion, a butter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a butter. Something with butter in the title. I mean, you know, and of course she's a part of the, the Kanye story as well. I just... Oh my God. 
I don't even, I don't have words because it just, it fills me with so much just like sadness, but yeah. also just like rage at the same time that it's just like, I don't feel like anything that I could say would be productive, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would, which perhaps we don't need right now. Perhaps this is just the moment to just be angry, but it's just like, <sighs> You know, and and obviously, like, her con artistry has been well documented. (laughs) Alleged, alleged. (laughs) So it's just like, I don't even... (laughs) So it's just like, I don't even understand, like, why people are listening to her at all, other than, like, you know... The obvious reasons. The (laughs) obvious reasons. Her and Christian Walker and all those folks had to get up there, and now Kanye, apparently... And just tear us down for sport. <laughs> you know, they say the what actually brought about the end of the Roman Empire was lead poisoning because the water going through those, you know, aqueducts was, you know, the aqueducts were iron and rusty, apparently. And then a lot of folks got lead poisoning, perhaps. Like, I, I don't, don't 100% know I wasn't there. But a lot of people apparently started behaving erratically in the last several decades of the empire, including um, the the whole leadership apparatus, right? It. I sometimes wonder, is it something in the air? Is it something in the water? Something in the food? Because a lot of people, it, it's like our relationship to rational thought has sort of just falling apart like i don't i don't know i mean i'm I'm clearly grasping but off kilter i mean systemically though yeah yeah but it's not like a person or two here or there it seems like maybe most people on a collective level i often after not long after leaving my house even when i'm outside and just with people and observing behavior and things i often if I might say to myself out loud is everyone okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) is everyone okay are we okay and I I keep asking because I think we're not I think I just don't think we are it's felt off kilter since they let us all back outside (laughs) I mean I think that's part of it certainly I think for a lot of folks you know it is sort of the capitalism of it all and just sort of finding Mm -hmm. ways to just sort of hypnotize people and take their money which is all uh how do you um speak with asterisks <laughs> um f news um <laughs> that network <laughs> that's all that is like do you hate black people and have gold <laughs> that you'd like to sell <laughs> but yeah no i mean we were we went to the costco last sunday my husband and i and it was just it was insane just the way that people just sort of had no regard for the other people around them like the number Mm. of people that just like walked out in front of our cart like while we were just like fully just pushing it down the aisle (laughs) or who were just like like literally there was one moment where these two ladies were just blocking the entrance of the aisle and could not figure it was it was I felt like I was like playing the sims and like these two sims were like in a room with no door. 
She's like, meet mop, whoop, meet, meet, mop, mop. And you're just like, excuse me. And we just could not figure out. And I'm just like, is the simulation glitching? What's going on? Like, it was so weird. It was so weird. But just sort of getting back to Lizzo, like the the comment that I saw that really, and it was by a conservative commentator that I will not name because I do not want any of their people mm-hmm. coming after after I us, know, child, because I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, they said that like Lizzo is like a weird fat sex pervert who wears no clothes and twerks and <laughs> how dare this this weirdo was the word that they use how dare this weirdo <laughs> be allowed to touch this incredibly important flute that i guess signed the the declaration of independence <laughs> and parted the seas <laughs> And it was just like, it was so crazy. Like, just like reading, it's just like, how how do you possibly get to that point where that's a thought that comes into your head and you're just not, you're not like, am I, am I high? (laughs) And then you put it down on Twitter and then you have thousands of people going like, yeah, 100%. I totally, that's a thing. But What? (laughs) (laughs) some really like that's some vintage brand racism right there yeah to just like straight up be being like black women are weird and perverse and just saying it with your with your whole chest (laughs) with your whole chest with your whole chest like you're a like you're a European conquistador visiting the Congo for the first time or something like, and you're writing this in your journal about your travels. This is vintage. This is vintage racism. Like, wow. Like the LA city councilwoman who was caught on tape. Did y'all see that? Yeah. Like, I mean, that is just like, right there just like unvarnished Mm -hmm. just i mean it's just crazy it's so crazy and (laughs) people don't even have sense enough to be ashamed of themselves right (laughs) she was just oh i'm not resigning (laughs) (laughs) the president had to be like "Mm, i think you should resign (laughs) everyone in the room was just kind of been like who gonna check me boo <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> I mean, we literally have to have a whole congressional hearing about whether or not people attacking the Capitol, trying to overthrow the government, first of all, happened, and secondly, was inappropriate. Like, this is the activity that we're in right now, which is, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not that old, but I've lived long enough to know that there's something. Com- completely completely strange happening in this country and and people in other countries must be watching us being like oh child oh, they right? are. Like, go I, on tiktok it's wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. let me tell y'all to our international listeners if it seems like it's weird over here it is <laughs> it, is. it is and it's weird to us too <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah also um can we also uh, uh, Back to the Lizzo and the, and the flute, the crystal flute 
Which sounds like a really cool children's story, actually. That actually does sound amazing. (laughs) Free idea for someone who is an illustrator out there. Um, Absolutely. Copyright, copyright, copyright. (laughs) 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 Um, Did it, wasn't James Madison a slave owner? Yes. So. One thousand percent. What? what okay you understand why i just had to Mm -hmm. this is a foundational fact to this story to me and the outrage and probably if if not my first definitely my second thought when i heard that there was any outrage at all Mm -hmm. about what happened i think in my head i went over this slave owner's flu (laughs) (laughs) like i know i know it's history i know it's history but that apparently was a gift that he never even played so so the history though Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're all just looking at each other, just dumbfounded. <laughs> uh, my God, can everyone just calm down? No, can I just make that request? <laughs> it's clearly going to get much more complicated in these next two weeks as we career towards the election. I feel like things are just going to get way more strange and uncomfortable and unpleasant. I mean, just these attack ads on TV that are just constant. This new one that's like really? Keith Ellison, the criminal's <laughs> choice for attorney general. <laughs> just like, whoa! <laughs> Can I just say, as a person coming from New York, how strange political ads are to me, period. Mm-hmm. Because in New York City, it wasn't like our races. I mean, everybody knew, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't remember seeing political ads and maybe folks who are living in the suburbs or living upstate got them all the time but i don't remember seeing them so now being here and then they come on and they're like everything's all sinister and it's like <laughs> whoa <laughs> no wonder people don't want to vote like it doesn't feel good because they no. are constant like it's all the time i'm never living in a swing state again <laughs> It's a lot. It's right. a lot. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. You're welcome to it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, now that you think about it, I, I never even considered that because I, I think growing up that, that felt like a norm to kind of see ads that were, you know, more on the aggressive side, <laughs> but also, you know, swing state. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, and I remember yeah. when we were kids in Virginia. There was a lot of that, but it, it yeah, I guess I, I just grew up don't in a remember part of the feeling. Oh, oh, and it was way more Republican, so I, I you know, we weren't even mm-hmm. getting the ads to that level because the Republican was just going to win. Gotcha, yeah, that makes sense. 
Does it? <laughs> well, I mean, in theory. <laughs> no, I mean, like, there's just this one that, like, Dennis and I just make fun of all the time. Like, we told Angie Craig not to vote for this, but she didn't listen. <laughs> 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 have you oh, seen this one with and i don't know the name of the the candidate because i don't need to learn her name but she's talking about um in the commercial it's like this candidate says i'm the election denier in chief yes <laughs> i'm like that this are people out there hearing that thinking that sounds cute i guess the answer is yes apparently right? but and and no no endorsement or anything of any of no, the candidates. No, I, I literally or this just want to know is that but, but what's it's so selling point. But what's so funny about that one in particular is that I saw something where like they cut to the full context of that particular speech and she was like, people call me the election denier in chief and it's so stupid. That's not what I think at all. And it's like, <laughs> she calls herself <laughs> the election denier in chief. <laughs> like, literally, it's from the snippet of her going like, isn't that so stupid? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh my goodness. Well, I hope everyone out there stay safe, stay sane. It's it's a it's a wild time to be alive. <sighs> and if you want to play the flute, play the flute. <laughs> but those asteroids are looking better every day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and play it in your underwear. Play it at play it. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Good God. Please. Please. Do whatever you want. And well. if you are a little uptight about who plays what instruments and where <laughs> and why and what they're wearing while they're doing it, maybe maybe just relax. <laughs> just relax. Maybe maybe just relax. Make a maybe nice let hot people cup of enjoy tea. things. Let people have fun. Cause yes. uh this is also if you love these instruments so much, like, and you want to preserve these things, maybe, 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 just maybe, making them fun will actually help them stick around. Maybe, imagine just that. Maybe imagine that. It will help like younger generations be interested in things like history or visiting a Smithsonian or something like that. Just maybe, just maybe. <laughs> so maybe like, just calm down. Yeah. Let people have fun. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, take a walk. I know it's cliche, touch <laughs> some grass. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps, it does. Get a massage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, uh, anyway. But speaking of amazing Minnesota musicians, we have one uh, or, well, Minnesota artists, rather. Mm -hmm. We have one coming up today on the show, the incredible, incredible Imagine Joy. We are yes. so lucky that they were able to join us and to talk about their practice, talk about their art. And hopefully it'll be a nice, deep, calm, cleansing breath, because I know that I came away <laughs> from that conversation feeling a lot better <laughs> than, I, than I did going in. So everyone stay tuned. Imagine joy right after the break. Woohoo!
right, welcome back, scorekeepers. I am so excited for today's special guest interview, uh, a person that I greatly admire and am blessed <laughs> to call a friend. Uh, but first, you know, let me run down their, their bio, their accolades, <laughs> before you get to hear from them directly. Born and raised in the south side of Chicago, shout out Demetrius McClendon, who is also known as Imagine Joy, began dancing with street hip hop at the age of 15, and has traveled nationally and internationally as a dancer, teacher, and choreographer, sharing their passion for the arts. Since graduating from Northern Illinois University in 2011, they have danced professionally with Dance Work Chicago, To Dance, Owen Cox Dance Group, and as a guest artist with Lyric Opera, Lyric Opera of Chicago, Twin Cities Ballet, Deeply Rooted Dance Theater, and Minnesota Opera, oh, among hey. numerous other companies. <laughs> As a community organizer and facilitator that believes wholeheartedly in the power of radical imagination, political education, and spiritual practice, they co-create with others to build experiences that heal and empower BIPOC and queer communities. Oh. That is a lovely bio, but from what I know of Imagine Joy, like they are also just, I'm just going to say overall black queer magic maker, like welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, to, welcome the to the show. <laughs> 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 Thank you for the introduction and the way you read my bio, I need that my bio read like that every single time, that energy. <laughs> <laughs> I am flattered because you're not the first person to say that on this show. And I'm like, listen, if y'all want to put me on payroll, I will gladly just you know, tell me where to show up, where and when. I'll even like blow a little trumpet as you enter the room and just read off your accolades. <laughs> so imagine joy. What's been up? I recently saw you in impact theory of mass extinction at in the heart of the beast puppet and mask theater Ooh, i think i may have got to talk to you a little bit about how that performance impacted me but it was just absolutely gorgeous and so affirming to my black queer inner child <laughs> I just thank you and everyone involved and that's really like one of the few maybe pieces I've attend like attended live over the past couple years just with everything going on in the world multiple crises and all kinds of stuff going on but I wonder like what the past couple years have been like for you as an artist given uh, a pandemic given all the things that have happened locally the ones that made national news like the murder of George Floyd or the things that did not, but that, you know, were impacting us here nonetheless. Like what kind of journey has it taken you on artistically? Where, where, where have you been and where are you at now? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's been quite the journey. Um, I will say, so I think of myself as an artist and my main medium is dance. So when dance shut down, because the theater shut down for a while, quite a, quite a long time. In the beginning of the pandemic, I was so fueled and focused on community um, that 
my artistic practice from dance just kind of tr translated and shifted to community work. I mean, I was already doing community work, but it became more full time. And because there was so much going on and so much to navigate, I, I, I was so deeply steeped inside of my artistic energy um, being utilized and engaged to heal and empower community that I didn't realize I wasn't dancing anymore. Mm. Um, but after a while, I, I mean, because dance for me is such a visceral and embodied experience, it, it, did, it, get, it got really hard. Um, so I, I, I was still moving, um, but you know, you're used to dancing eight hours a day on top of doing your own personal practice. Um, it, it got to a point where I, I realized um, movement is, 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 is needed and necessary for my, my well-being. Mm -hmm. And it got really rough, actually, uh, not, not, not only not moving, but also performing, because performing to me is not just about me sharing, it's also about me receiving. There's a, there's a relationship between myself and the audience that I um, am just very accustomed to experiencing. And I, 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 notice, this, I notice that it sources like my, my, some, some profound healing from me to have that type of outlet. So it was really rough at certain points. There, there were opportunities to dance, um, but then certain um, requirements that just, that's a different conversation I want to get on right now, but um, <laughs> I just was not able to dance. So I was really delighted to perform for the first time in a pandemic. Actually, it was with, actually, excuse me, let me be clear. I performed with um, Alana. Actually, I think, did we perform together? We did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Alana's Black Light Research, that was a part of... Um, my my um artistic path during the pandemic although that to me was more it was very spiritual so i didn't think of it as, as dance in a traditional sense that I'm, I'm used to dancing but i did perform that but um doing janata's play <laughs> janata's play i just i can't i can't speak enough about how intentional how loving how healing um how pleasurable that experience was because the yes. process the process that was curated by our director, which was Harry Waters. Um, Shout, out Harry. Love Shout out to Harry. Shout out to Harry. He is really about that life. Um, I, I felt like I, it, it came to me at, the, at a point in time where I really needed it. Um, I was experiencing depression and just, it just, all of the stuff that happened in the pandemic, it just kind of got, because I was, I was flying high for the first two years of the pandemic. I, that was a great time for me to slow down, to get paid, to stay in my house. That was great for me. Um, Personally, although I knew that the world was, you know, unraveling for me personally, I, that was great. But then it all hit me, and then that play came along, and just was like, oh, Janata conjured that play, that that writing, that 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 black queer experience for all of us. I think to to feel and to enjoy the gift of feeling, mm -hmm. a lot of pleasure too. It was a lot of pleasure, a lot of pleasure. Yeah, I definitely got that out of the audience member. It was so, it was just so special and, <laughs> and emotional, but in like a endearing way, like in a heart opening kind of way. Yes. I feel like the thing that you were describing about um, artists feeling disconnected from their practice during parts of the pandemic, especially 
those of us who do the kind of art that we need to be in front of other people or in community with other people when we produce it was something I heard a lot from friends, from my husband, from myself at times. And, you know, it, it gets me thinking about how dance is, is special and, and unique in a lot of ways. And I, I think you might be the first uh, person from the dance space we've had on the show. So I would love it if you could say a few words for our audience about maybe how your identity and other experiences inform your praxis as a dancer. You know, I will say this first and foremost, I'm a yogi. So I would hope that it's translating into my everyday life, me learning how to be more physically aligned. That's why we stand at the ballet bar every single day, working on our, 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 our spine, um, being as upright and, and free and liberated as possible. I, I'm tr I do my best to bring those thoughts and ideas to my everyday life. You know, when you're working on balance from the right to my left side, I do the same thing in my personal life. How, how am I bringing this type of, of passion for, for balance and, 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 and clarity and, and light and, and a lightheartedness? How do I bring that into my everyday life? Like, that's my challenge. And I think I'm very grateful for um, a variety of different practices that allow me to kind of synthesize and, and, and put these things into context. And one of those things is writing. Writing really helps me to um, kind of keep track of all the places that I touch and experience. Because sometimes when you're dancing and you tap into these places, I, I think it's, it's very it's similar to um, some of my spiritual practice. You go into these zones, you go into these different realms where you experience it, like a multitude of self. Um, and I'm always thinking about how do I translate this? Because it doesn't make it, it won't make sense if I if I just if I just state this to someone who has never had that experience. Um, so I think that's that's my role and my task as an artist. Thank you for that. Well, so I'm curious. Um, you know, I as I was doing um, some research um, about you and your work, um, I noticed on your Instagram that you have a lot of um, really amazing quotes and um, just wise words from like incredible folks like Audrey, or not Audrey Lorde, um, Bell Hooks, um, but Audrey Lorde is great as well. <laughs> <laughs> Bell Hooks specifically. Um, and of course, you know, um, you know, great artists. Like I love this one post that you did um, where you were talking about Mariah Carey's Butterfly <laughs> and we were just talking about that album very recently and how it was a big deal for all of us um, on its 25th anniversary. Um, yeah. I'm just curious about like other mentors like who who else has sort of inspired you um, who has you know who are the 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 people who have come before you who have really served to sort of inspire you in your practice and your art? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, I call myself a Black feminist baby. And when I mm. say that, I'm saying that Black feminism rebirthed me. It, 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 ooh, mm. it helped me understand that who and what I was was much bigger um, than what I was allowing and, and, and 
and what I understood myself to be based on patriarchal conditioning, which I, mm. we, we all experience here. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> so some of the people, uh, there's so many people, but um, in particular, I would always quote Bell Hooks. I used to call myself a Bell Hooks whore. Um, <laughs> I am <laughs> I'm a child of the Lord, Audrey Lord. I, she is someone that I call on almost every single day and just reread her writings. Um, let us see, Tony K. Bambara. I've recently mm. gotten into her words, and um, I mean, there's, I mean, I can go down the list, but unless it's Pauline Gumbs is someone who I've been working with lately, yeah. because she has so much work on on breath, on engaging and utilizing the breath as as a tool and pathway towards um, understanding, perceiving, relating, being, and becoming, it all goes through the breath, breath, which connects to my yoga practices as well. And when you do this in a way that is connected to an understanding that we are constantly trying to expand, not just for ourselves, but because we want to be aware of the energy that we're putting into a universe through which we are all relating and experiencing this thing called life. So the question becomes, how do I honor the you know these people put this they put love into those words they put healing into those words so when i think about what came before me i'm always one <laughs> astounded like oh my goodness knowing what they went through and, and was still able to produce those things but it, it just makes me think about what i'm putting forward for the next generation of artists coming um so i i'm always thinking about that circularity of, of past present future and, and and where i'm falling in line line excuse me that's yes. beautiful <laughs> beautiful uh, alexis pauline gums woo her work <laughs> your i am a fan let's let's talk about her more offline <laughs> um so also you mentioned tony k bambara and it made me think of her immediately think of her words uh it is the role of the artist to make the revolution irresistible. Mm-hmm. And then that, that made me think of... <laughs> right, so do I. Shout out to Art Equity. Yes. <laughs> you know how to pick a good quote. Yes, they, sure they do. do. Um, <laughs> but it also made me think of your work as uh, an organizer and how I think it is not, it is not repeated enough that like artists are often at the front mm-hmm. of revolutionary changes of major you know societal shifts it is often our artists our cultural keepers that are making that happen so can you talk to us about you know your life as an organizer and what does that look like especially married with you know your artistic practice and maybe your yoga practice too, and all the other things that you know <laughs> you just so elegantly said inform you know your being in the world. Yes. So I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna start here. It's interesting. I went to school for Black Studies and LGBT Studies. Um, my major was dance, but my minors um, were very. They they were chosen specifically because. At that time, I think when I was, was I, I can't remember how old I was when I first read the Malcolm, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, but that book changed me. That book mm-hmm. changed me. I also had a professor, his name was Mr. Muhammad Abdullah in high school. Um, he was my African American history teacher. And one thing I remember about him, he never, he never taught by the syllabus. He was not, he did not teach us traditionally. But the school, what he was telling us, 
behind his doors, they probably would have. Uh, let me not. I'm trying to think of not a cuss word. Excuse me. They would not have been. <laughs> but that man unlocked some doors within me. And when I went to college, and I was like, oh, there's a program here where I can study more and and actually get get. I, I'm obsessed with books, y'all. I love books. Um, but go to a library and read all these books and, and and start to see this history. And after I graduated from college, and I, I, I knew I wanted to focus on dance because you only have so much time to dance with this. That's what they tell you anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kept telling myself, I would put my activism on the back burner. I would put it on the back burner. I would always, you know, dance and do all these things. But I wanted to focus very specifically on my body at the time. But things kept happening where I was like, no, you can't wait. Why, why would I want to wait? Why would I want to separate these components of myself when I could actually be using my art to make these statements anyway? I can actually be using my art in a more powerful way um, to, to, to bring my creative energy and, 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 the, and the ways more my genius could come forward because I'm, I'm not a policy-making person. That's, that is not my genius. That I, I do. <laughs> but I can facilitate. I, I, sure, I, can, I can lead you through breath work. I can lead you through movement. I can help you feel good in your body. I can talk to you about diet, exercise, nutrition. Like I started to learn that you know, my activism could take a different shape and that these aspects of myself would be a part of how I'm going to um, be responsible in the matrix. And it was meeting people like Signe. <laughs> um, and I met her actually at a Black Lives Matter. I was, I was briefly a part of Black Lives Matters. And I remember being there and thinking, oh, how are we going to focus on us? Because I felt like so much of the energy that I was experiencing in a lot of protests was like, how do we get these people to see us differently? I'm like, no, that's not my focus. That's, that's not where I want to go. And when I met Sydney and she was telling me about something called the Million Artist Movement and, and these power gatherings where people are coming together to create art and, 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 and to, to bring their artistic energy to the fight, it just it resonated with me differently. And I knew right then and there that I had to do this now. Um, and since then, I've just... I've, I've been in, in the mix of it because, you know, there's so much going on. You always get pulled in because I, I'm I hanging with amazing people um, who are just really dil- diligent about making the world a better place. Ashe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Million Artists Movement has been the same to me, too. I think that is that is probably, that is where we met, I'm sure. Um, it was through Million Artists Movement and... Yeah, just having that crew of folks that are currently pushing me to think about art and liberation differently is a blessing, a blessing for sure. You know, that that gets me thinking about something that Paige read in your bio at the beginning that I jotted down, um, this idea of radical imagination, right? Because I feel like um, one of the peculiarities of being Black in America and certainly being black and queer in America is that real life can be so heavy that sometimes you don't feel like you have space to imagine. And then there are other times that your imagining is kind of the only thing that gets you through. Right. And I, I would love if you could talk a little bit about what radical imagination means for you and how it shows up in your work and in your life. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, that brings me back to something Bell Hooks used to say. By the way, she has um, this series on YouTube at the New School that I've watched like 10 to 12 times. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> but she would always say, we can't create what we can't imagine. We mm. can't create what we can't imagine. And it also makes me think about Robin D.G. Kelly, who wrote a book called Freedom Dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about Black radical imagination, how, you know, we put so much energy into what we want to knock down, but we never think about what's going to be there and, and what's going to happen after we knock those things down. So how do you start to put more, um, invest more of your energy into imagining the possibilities beyond. Um, and you know, for me being very, very spiritual, I, I think that imagination is allowing myself to go to a place that is beyond the physical. It is allowing me to understand that we are ebbs, ebbs and flows of energy and, and that, you know, we can get really stuck when we only think about things in one way. You know, we, we are taught and conditioned from birth that A plus B equals C. We, that's the only thing we know. So if, if that's not, if that reality, though, is not affirming us in any way, how can we move beyond it if we can't imagine or, or, or at least put our energy elsewhere? So I, I think that for me, radical imagination means allowing myself to nourish the possibilities within myself and with, within the world if we only choose to, to, to think beyond, to, 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 to dare to imagine. Like, I, I keep thinking about those words, to dare to imagine. Like, that to me is a place of possibility. Thank you. I love that. Well, that makes me curious. You know, what do you, what do you imagine when you imagine that the possibilities that are beyond? I mean, I'm assuming you imagine joy. See what I did? <laughs> but sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm curious. You know, when when you imagine that that someday, what what does that look like? I, I think you went out for like thirty seconds. Oh sure. Oh, did you hear? You didn't hear my terrible joke. Oh good. <laughs> no, I was just asking, you know, when you were talking about, you know, imagining, um, you know, the places beyond, what do you personally imagine when you imagine, um, you know, those, those possibilities? Oh, you know, okay, so here's another thing about me. I grew up Jehovah Witness, mm -hmm. um, and it's a very particular way of thinking and moving and navigating the world. And they believe in this thing called paradise. And so when I imagine beyond, I imagine a, a type of paradise, not where there are no conflicts, but where there are, where there are ways to help us engage our conflict. Um, to, to me, I, I think that so much of our issues comes because we, we don't confront um, we don't meaningfully confront the things that are attempting to pull us down. So when I imagine a, a space beyond, I, I imagine mm, this vehicle. I, I imagine vehicles where we can, ooh, excuse me, I'm thinking right now and I'm, I'm traveling at the same time. So, <laughs> okay. I, I just, I don't know. I imagine places where we are allowing energy to move. And when I think about this, I, of course, that makes me think about all of the things that will be anchoring. I think joy is an, I think of joy is an anchor. So I'm imagining people out in the streets, uh, in nature. I, I, I imagine us having a different relationship with the earth. I imagine us um, actually respecting 
and, and, and valuing the things that came before us and, and, and recognizing that we are all a part of this big cosmic system. I, I don't know, I imagine, I imagine the stars actually, mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it. I imagine outer space, I imagine green. I don't know, that's, that's coming up in my spirit right now. Um, and actually I imagine abolition, which is, is, is all of those things to me. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I thought of (laughs) you saying stars reminded me of one of our faves, Octavia Butler. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Take it to the stars indeed. So I also, you know, you know, swinging that imagination in a different direction. Um, I would love if you talked about, you know, the experiences that you've had with opera, you know, as we read your bio, there were a few (laughs) things, you know, in there, some places where you may have been a guest artist. And, you know, I wonder what those experiences were like for you and what are the possibilities that you see within opera? Yes, I will say this. Um, I, I first, my first opera company I worked with, worked with was Lyric Opera of Chicago, um, and it's a pretty good company. <laughs> big sure company. <laughs> and my first, <laughs> <laughs> my first thought, or the first thing I think about <laughs> Lyric Opera when I got there, was just one: we got paid pretty nicely. And the sad reality is that most times in dance, especially concert dance, you don't make a lot of money. Um, so it was it was beautiful to be part of a union. I learned, you know, I, I got to visibly experience being a part of a union for the first time um, where we had designated breaks. Like, oh, I, I actually deserve a break. And <laughs> I actually can't, because you can't work on those breaks. You literally can't work on those breaks. Um, uh, for me, that was, I don't, it really shifted the way I thought about dance and it, it made me demand more when I left the, the opera companies and started to work back in concert dance. Cause I'm like, oh, we don't have to work like this. And actually I'm going to give you a better production and, and, and more creativity. If I, if you allow me five minutes to rest or use the bathroom, please. <laughs> um, but the beautiful part about working with the opera was working with the live music. I mean, when you have the orchestra playing behind you, I'm like, my goodness, it's a powerful force. You hear these voices coming together and making these harmonies and you're, cause you're dancing, you're literally inside of it. Um, and I'm gonna be very honest. I didn't care for opera before I got into opera. Well, I was gonna say I, I didn't care for, I didn't know opera. So I didn't, I didn't have a true opinion about it, but um, being able to be inside of and being able to talk to the artists and hear their experiences and, and how they were embodying these characters through their voice um, and being able to understand that voice is this powerful vehicle through which people are are engaging energy. Because I, I, you know, I do mind through the body, but with voice, it's a very different way of experiencing create creativity. Um, it, it taught me a lot, but just as a as a dancer and how I wanted to um, deepen and understand. Excuse me, deepen my understanding of it as an artist. I can't remember the second part of that question, but yes, opera. I, I, yeah, I, I dig it now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I had also asked, you know, any possibilities you see within, within opera? Oh, yeah. yes, I do. And we need more black stories. We need, I, I, I haven't oh, seen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we need more, more, hmm. 
to be very honest, I, I do know there was an opera company in Chicago. I can't remember the name of it. It was a black opera company. And unfortunately, I never got the chance to really work with them. Um, but I do know that they were reworking some classical um, works. And I, I just feel like that's such a tricky place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, when I say we need new works created for us, by us, um, with with our liberation and healing in mind, I, I really mean that because I don't think that those old things that we're re bringing back, I just I don't I don't know if I don't know if the juice is there personally. Mm-hmm. The juice that I want to drink anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are on the right show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we share some similar sentiments. <laughs> Oh, one more thing. I want to see more um, different variations and expressions of gender. That, 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 I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. Yeah. Well, imagine, Joy, um, we are just about at our time together, but I wanted to make sure that if there's anything coming up that you're working on, what is coming up for Imagine Joy in the future? What is coming? Look, this future thing. I don't, you know, it's interesting. I don't, for the most part, thankfully, I never get anxious about the future because I'm usually, I have, I'm doing way too much most of the time anyway, but I'm usually very invested in the present. Um, but this year has really just allowed me to think forward a little bit. Um, I am 33 right now too. So I have, you know, I've been a lifetime of, of, of the system of capitalism and all these different things. But now I'm like, oh, you know, you do have to have a, a financial, a stable financial uh, framework. Otherwise, you know, I, I like to eat. I like, I like to eat good food. I like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat. I like to look cute. <laughs> No, that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I've been mostly focused on um, kind of just grounding myself so that I can make some different financial venture, ventures in the future. So um, as far as art, artistic practices go, I do have a couple of performances. I do, I'm performing with Athletico in November. And in January, I'm doing something with Ashwini called The Invisible Cities at the Oceanity, I believe. Um, and I'm still a part of the project. It's an ongoing project with Alana called Black Light, which is a research performance project um, studying the, the dimensionality of blackness and, and the ways that we are experiencing that. And that 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 is just I I could talk a lot about that. But um, yeah, those are my next few things coming up. That's fabulous! But I can't wait for all of those things. And you want to maybe throw out your social media handles so people can follow you. <laughs> sure um it would be imagine joy with two y's so imagine j-o-y-y on what is that instagram instagram and then on um facebook it's my name demetrius mcclendon all right well everybody go follow and stay tuned for lots more news and look out for imagine joy dancing out in the community and doing activism and just being a general badass awesome human (laughs) and we are so blessed that you were on our show today thank you so much for being here yes i will say very quickly i i I do be artistically naked on some of those profiles just as a you know some people feel different ways about the body 
Não, é muito rápido o Grace, não. Alright, well, you know, I guess trigger warning. <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that probably attracted some people rather. Than... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. If I know anything about our scorekeepers. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again for being here. And we will be right back with Pure Black Joy. We'll be right back. Thank you, Imagine Joy. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody, and we are back. Big thanks to Imagine Joy for being with us. And now it is time for our favorite segment. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. It's peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. That's a Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it sounds so good every time. <laughs> a treat. <laughs> yes, yes, it is a treat. PB&J. Pure yes. Black Joy. A little snack for your soul. They'll treat them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the segment uh, where we talk about all of the Black people and places and things <laughs> and ideas that are making us happy this week. And my... My poor kitty. <laughs> she is having a non-pure black joy week. Because <laughs> she does not like this cold and she doesn't know what to do with herself. And she just woke up from her nap and she's just angry. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. But in actual pure black joy, um, I just want to really just shout out really quick um, Jonathan Batista. Um, who has made history by becoming the first Black principal dancer at the Pacific Northwest Ballet. Yay! Yay for you, Jonathan! <laughs> <laughs> um, he is originally from Rio de Janeiro, okay? I'm trying to go to Rio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and became a part of the organization last year as a soloist. Um, he says that having the highest rank as a ballet dancer means a lot for mm -hmm. both him and the Black community. Uh, he mm -hmm. says that being the first Black dancer in 50 years of Pacific Northwest Ballet is a moment for young Black boys, young Black girls that want to dance, that want to see themselves on stage. It's such an honor to be in this position. It's also a moment where he thinks, wow, it took 50 years for a Black man, a Black person <laughs> to become a principal dancer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Point well um, taken. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the Pacific Northwest Ballet is based in Seattle. They have a total of 46 dancers, nine of them, including Jonathan, identify as Black. So everybody go and see Jonathan at the Pacific Northwest Ballet if you're in Seattle. And congratulations to you, Jonathan. That's amazing. Woohoo! Yay. That's what I got. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was lovely. I will share as well. And this is for all of the nerds who may be listening out there. So this semester, the College Board has launched its first ever AP course in African-American studies. 
and it is debuting mm. at 60 high schools across the country. I heard and about this. Among others, uh, two of the contributors to the project are Dr. Henry Louis Gates and mm. Dr. Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham, um, both amazing scholars. And I mm -hmm. think this is really, really fantastic that African-American studies is being codified in this way and kids are actually getting the opportunity at this very critical juncture where it feels like there's such an attack not just on people of african descent but also on our culture and our history that kids are going to have this opportunity to learn it in this way and receive some well-deserved college credit i would have loved to have taken this course you know i mean 25 years ago for real <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah same <laughs> <laughs> but you know again finally <laughs> black people america's newest invention huh wow <laughs> it's like it's like a person but black wow <laughs> tell me more huh. <laughs> Well, my uh little PB and J, um, shout out to one I know about these things because of my little sister. So first, shout out to her for being Black Joy because and, and excellence because she loves fashion and style and she keeps me up to date with what Black people are doing in those <laughs> worlds. Um, I would not know otherwise. I just enjoy the clothes. I just wear them. I don't pay attention to the news. So she was the one who actually told me about this Black uh, designer, Houston White, who is actually from Minneapolis, oh. who uh, now has a collection at Target. Um, mm -hmm. that actually I've been seeing every, <laughs> everywhere, just going into Target and didn't know what it was about until my little sister told me. Yes, he is a native of Jackson, Mississippi, um, and is from Minneapolis, um, uh, raised here in Minneapolis, um, and now has a clothing collection at uh, your local Target. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's dope. It's it's quite dope. It's like real cute. It's given like a little like black preppy style. I kind of <laughs> like, you know, to, like I'm going to look this up. Yes, mm -hmm. it's definitely giving like hanging out on an HBCU campus to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I really also just appreciate the highlighting of black designers. Oh, okay. that, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we've seen an increase of that recently. Or, or or what? Maybe it, am I imagining that? Is no, it I feels like it's so. increasing. That like yeah, more I agree with that. and more I see if it's people not having their own brands and it's like bigger stores or brands having feature collections with designers that they put lots of money in marketing and stuff like that behind. Um so yeah. Shout out Ooh, to him. It's Amazing very like it's got like a very sort of like 90s vibe, like 90s, okay, like yeah. college, like, yeah, no, I'm feeling it. Right? 
Right? Like if school days met clueless. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I also think it's really funny that the Target website explore like exhorts you to explore tops, explore bottoms. I thought that was a different website, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but these are this is some cute stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Okay. I mean, he's really my pure black joy because like, yeah, stop becoming designer from Minneapolis. But also they have a collection right now from the uh, designer who who did Michelle Obama's outfit for inauguration, the, the burgundy one. The oh, burgundy girl. outfit. That yes. designer. With you know cape. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. You know mm-hmm. the one. He's black and also has a small collection at Target right now. Oh, okay. okay Target. Fabulous. It is fabulous. And she... honestly, when I've walked in, they've been at the front of the store. Like they have been <laughs> like the first thing you see when you go in. Um because I mean Michelle Obama was just stunting on yeah. everybody. Oh, right. Just Absolutely. came for everybody's neck <laughs> <laughs> with that outfit. <laughs> I was like, how are we supposed to look at anyone else? How and are we she, <laughs> And she knew it too. She knew it too with those gloves to match. <laughs> a moment <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well okay i'm shout out I'm to that actually to, i know i'm gonna have to check this out the next time i i need some shampoo <laughs> check it out check it out uh it's a dangerous place and now that i think about it little page really wanted to be a fashion designer there was a i had a whole period of really wanting this and no i did not see this much representation Mm -hmm. especially across the board of like high fashion to footwear to street fashion to everywhere so shout out to whoever has been working in that industry to make these things happen you are my pure black joy this week Mm. thank you little page who was a fashion designer wanted to be a fashion designer really appreciates it Aww. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet <laughs> well i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the score want to thank imagine joy once again for coming through everyone go check <laughs> them out on all their socials and whatnot and Thank you both, as always, for for being here. It's been a long week. (laughs) (laughs) And and we are recording this much later than we usually do. So (laughs) might be why we're a little punch drunk today. (laughs) But as always, it's, it's amazing sharing space with the two of you. And with all of you out there in podcast land, um, as always, we invite you to leave a review on your favorite uh, podcast app of choice, but mostly Apple Podcasts, because that's going to help us out the most. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, five stars, please. Five. One, two, three, four, five. And my cat is now upstairs yelling at me. So I, I'll make this quick. <laughs> but leave some words too if you'd like to. And of course, um, subscribe on your favorite podcast app of choice. And uh, what do I always? Oh, and you share. ask us if we have words of wisdom. Well, I was going to say also share the podcast with <laughs> anybody you think might be interested. But yes, <laughs> do we have any words of wisdom? 
Vote. Yes. Vote. Yeah. Register. Check your registration. I mean, I would imagine a lot of the registration deadlines have passed in certain <laughs> states, but <laughs> I would just check and make sure. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. You know what's up, and if you if you are able to register, register and. Please vote however you can, whether that's getting your absentee ballot in the mail or going down there on election day. It really matters. I, mm-hmm. I can't. The last few elections, <laughs> all these people are like, elections don't matter. Like, have you have you been here for the last like six years? <laughs> just just look at the last six years just alone. Your vote matters. I promise it matters. Um, so yes, please go down there and do that. Um, and I think that's it for us. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> everybody be safe and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye-bye. And go touch some grass. <laughs> <laughs>